Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. This week we're discussing the book Electric Idol by Katie Robert. This is the second book in this series after Neon Gods, which we talked about a couple of months ago. This book uh, is a sexy book, and so this is your After Dark warning. We will be talking about mature themes, specifically sex, probably some murder. There will be probably cursing, so monitor yourselves appropriately. Um, I'll introduce our characters and Vicky will take up with their plot. So for our characters, we have Psyche Dimitriou. She is our female main character. She's described as having long, dark hair. She's plus sized and she's the third oldest daughter of Demeters. She is known for being very clever and like her mother has a mind for strategy and planning, especially among the elite of Olympus. She's also selfless and tries to help those around her. Her sisters are Callisto, who is the eldest and who tends to choose violence. Persephone is the second eldest and she recently married Hades and their youngest sister is Eurydice. Uh, who they have all tried to protect from the scheming harsh nature of life as a child of one of the 13 in Olympus. And again, her mother is Demeter. Our main male character is Eros Ambrosia. He is the only child of Aphrodite and is described as having golden boy features with curls that you just want to grab hold of. He serves as Aphrodite's fixer, taking care of people who piss her off or threaten her fragile ego, either by killing them or otherwise ruining their lives. He's our broody bad boy who just wants to be loved. Eros is mostly a loner, but his best friends who are like siblings to him are Helen and Eris Cassios, children of the former Zeus and sister to sisters to the current Zeus, who used to be called Perseus. Uh, but someone, when someone assumes uh, one of these leadership roles, they take on the name of the, the person. So he's Zeus now. He, uh, this book mostly takes place in the upper city of Olympus. Vicki, please take off with our plot. Okay. So this book opens very similar to the last one at a party. Psyche is trying to avoid her mother Demeter by moving around and not standing still. However, Demeter manages to find her anyway and tells her that she wants to introduce her to the new Zeus. Psyche quickly realizes that her mother is trying to set her up with Zeus to make her the new Hera, which she is not interested in. It seems that Aphrodite is attempting to marry Zeus off to a few of her choices as well. Aphrodite and Demeter have been enemies for years and they quickly end up bickering. Psyche uses the distraction to slip away. When she goes to the hallway, she runs into a bleeding and limping Eros, Aphrodite's son and Fixer. He's known for being dangerous and a monster. Despite her better judgment, she offers to help him and he begrudgingly accepts. They both know they can't get caught because Olympus is known for loving drama and gossip and the last thing they need is for the media to think that they are together despite their mothers being enemies. Unfortunately, they end up being caught and a picture of them looking like they're about to kiss is released. This does not go over well with their mothers. Aphrodite has a very aggressive reaction. She orders Eros to kill Psyche and asks him to bring her Psyche's heart. Eros tries to talk her out of it. Psyche is known for being a social media influencer, so he suggests that she has him destroy her that way. However, Aphrodite is set on seeing Psyche dead because she also sees it as a way to teach Demeter a lesson. Eros reluctantly agrees and asks Hermes to send Psyche a message that will get her to meet him at a bar. Hermes delivers the message to Psyche and tells her that Eros wants to meet her to discuss their next step in how to combat the gossip mill and get the media's eyes off of them. Psyche agrees and they meet up. Eros is there early, of course, plotting to kill her with poison. Psyche is obviously unaware and quickly starts talking to him about how to distract the media. She realizes that he did not invite her there, 
for that reason and figures out that he is there on a mission from his mother. However, she doesn't realize that he was ordered to, ki that, to kill her. And when he admits that he is going to kill her, she pivots pretty quickly. She doesn't try to talk him out of it, but tries to humanize herself and tells Eros that he deserves better. Eros really doesn't want to kill Psyche and does eventually come up with a way to avoid it. He tells her that if she marries him and they create a big media storm around a whirlwind, whirlwind romance, Aphrodite won't be able to kill her. Psyche has no choice but to agree. Eros tells her they need to get married before the weekend is over because his mother is away having her spa weekend and won't be checking social media. So they quickly plan their wedding. Eros shows a surprising amount of thoughtfulness and Psyche also sees that he clearly desires love and a family, which he did not get by having Aphrodite as a mother. Psyche tells her sisters that she's getting married and only Persephone supports her. And she only does that because Psyche supported her when she ran off to be with Hades. Eros invites Helen and Eris, Zeus's sisters, to be his witness. It's witnesses. Demeter even shows up, and while she does threaten Eros, she also walks Psyche down the aisle, trusting that she knows what she is doing. Overall, the wedding isn't bad, and they're able to act like a couple in love, even properly consummating the marriage. However, once Aphrodite finds out, the vibe changes. She tells Eros that the plan has not changed. She still wants Psyche dead. Eros is very upset that she won't change her plan and again tries to convince her otherwise. She refuses to budge, though, and Eros goes into protective mode. He vows that nothing will happen to Psyche and that he will keep her safe. Even though he wants to hide her away, he understands that it is not reasonable and they accept an invitation to Helen's party. They have a great time until they go to leave. The parking garage is oddly absent a guard, and Eros goes to check out the situation and asks a very drunk Psyche to call for security. While Eros is checking to make sure that his car is not rigged, he hears a gunshot and Psyche scream. He rushes to help and manages to tackle the shooter. Psyche is worried about Eros, which is a novelty for him, and his feelings for her grow even more. They go to Zeus to try to get him to interfere, but he refuses since there's no solid proof that Aphrodite is behind the hit. They are unable to get the backing of Poseidon or enough of the 13 to make Aphrodite stop. So Eros decides the only option is to kill his mother, which Psyche refuses to let him do. When he leaves the penthouse, she calls Helen and demands Aphrodite's information. She calls Aphrodite and tells her to meet her in a secluded area of a garden and that she wants to be smuggled out of Olympus. However, things do not go as planned. And once Eros realizes what has happened, and arrives in the garden, he finds Aphrodite pointing a gun at Psyche. So what happens? Does he have to kill his mother? Does Psyche find a way out of this? Does Aphrodite shoot Psyche? You will have to read the book or keep listening to find out. Spoilers ahead. So, Marissa. Vicky. This was your second read of this book, yes? Yes. This, this is was, your first read. It was. And yeah. I loved it so much. Me too. I The first time I read it, I read it really quickly. And I think I, you read everything really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read it all in one night. Nice. I was just like, yep, this is amazing. I started it. And I was, yeah, it was great. And I thought it was like going to be an enemies to lovers. So I was expecting angst like that and yeah which, and then I didn't get that so I was kind of happy about that because I wasn't really in the mood for like a true enemies to lovers yeah so this was a nice this is nice um I ended up liking this one better than I liked Neon Gods I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this story but also at how much I enjoyed how, like how much more I enjoyed this book compared to the first book in the series Mm. I I love uh, yeah I liked it more than Neon Gods too which is you know normally like Hades and Persephone those are like we love those stories but mm -hmm. I loved Eros so much I know well I mean I think that's part of what surprised me as well because I, I do just adore a Hades and Persephone story um and I don't know if it was I, by the time that I got to this this that Hades and Persephone story last it was either last year or earlier this year I'd already read like a whole bunch of them and I I love that story 
Um, but what, what I really like about this is that I feel like there's not a whole lot of retellings of this myth. So mm -hmm. it was new. It was almost like an original, an original, it's not an original story. I don't know what the words I'm trying to say here, but it was something that I hadn't read before, which I like. Yes. So I thought that I had never read or like really reverence like an Eros and Psyche story before, but I looked up their original story and oh my gosh, it's the polar bear king. And I know, I think we've talked about it before. We have talked about this before. I still don't know what this story is. Yes. Like, we have definitely talked about I it. I know. Cause I've been like, oh, it totally reminds me of like that, but that, that is what it is. So then I was like, okay, it's like, what is, so <laughs> I looked into polar bear king and it is, it's based off of a Norwegian fairy tale, which is based off of Cupid and Psyche. And I was like, Ah, because it, you know, like the polar bear king reminds me of so much, like it reminds me of um, uh, Beauty and the Beast a little bit, mm -hmm. right? There are a little bit of aspects that remind me of like a little bit of everything. And then I read the story of Eros and Psyche and I was like, oh no, it's this. It is yeah. this. And I hope there's somebody else out there other than my sister who knows this movie <laughs> <laughs> because I have found nobody else. It's just you. Who has ever seen this it is movie? Only you. So I hope that there's somebody out there who appreciates this realization. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah. No, I still don't know what this story is. Um, but I love that you were able to make that connection. That's outstanding. Um <laughs> I wish that, so I feel like Greek retellings are really popular in the romance world right now. I wish we would get more different stories like this because there are a bunch of Greek myths out there that are really great. And I'm curious to see what she does with the other books in this series because she's already, Orpheus and Eurydice have already had their like relationship fall apart. And uh, we have Callisto and Zeus that seems to be on deck at some point. And her next book is going to be Helen and Achilles and Patroclus. So I'm just, I'm curious to see what she does with the series going forward, but also romance writers out there. I would love to see some exploration of other Greek myths translated, like pushed into or brought um, into like a, a romance, like, um, I really enjoyed Narcissus and Echo. That was one of my favorite Greek myths for a while. Oh, yeah. I really like, and I don't remember their names now, but the ones that they love each other so much, they like grow into a tree, mm -hmm. a twisted tree. Oh, or the cricket one, where crickets came from. Um, I don't know that one. One of the gods asks Zeus to make her lover like immortal, mm -hmm. but forgets to ask to have him not age yeah so he keeps aging and then eventually like turns into a cricket let me oh interesting um I would like to see I feel like we don't get Poseidon's story very often I'd yeah. like to see some of that Eliza Rain has just released she's releasing a series of three books I think that feature Poseidon's story which is kind of new I haven't seen I don't know that I've seen anyone else cover Poseidon's story. I mean, that's briefly touched on in like the Percy Jackson books, but that doesn't really, I mean, it's Greek myth, but it doesn't really fall under the same category as like the books that we read. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is definitely different genre. Um, and uh, I feel like we don't ever really get a whole lot of stories featuring Artemis or Apollo either now mm -hmm. those those stories are pretty heavily embedded in like the great or in lore Olympus um that those those storylines are pretty significant they play and even with like Psyche and Eros that those are prominent in the lore Olympus world too but in terms of fantasy romance novels I feel like we don't see that a whole lot yeah 
Yeah, it's very heavily Hades and Persephone. Um, yeah. But because who doesn't love, you know, thinking Truly. the bad guy is actually a sweetheart and his, you know. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you you really can't go wrong with that trope. It's just that that trope <laughs> has been done a lot. Yeah. Um, I feel, oh, Orpheus and Eurydice, I feel like is a really popular one, but I feel like a lot of times that story is romanticized. And so I'm curious to see what happens, what she's planning to do with those characters in this world. Cause Orpheus in this world is a dick. And honestly, he is, I don't, I don't know that we would call him a dick in the original Greek myth. He's just like kind of dumb. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause he, I mean. He ruins his own life and then he gets himself killed by a group of like wild females. So, and then Eurydice just hangs out in the underworld and is happy as can be. So, (laughs) yes. We'll see what happens from that perspective. Um, I guess we took a little bit of a tangent there. Let's go back to Eros. He, this whole book, he was like, I'm a monster. I'm a bad guy. I'm really, really bad. I'm so bad. And the whole time I was like, yes, baby, we know you're a monster. <laughs> there was so much of that. I'm a monster. People, what have you done? Like, I like, show me you're a monster. I mean, okay, man, I get it. You've been manipulated by your mom and killed people for her affection. Okay. Yes, that is very bad. But would you have done that if it wasn't because your mom was telling you to do that and let's talk about all of these feelings that you have that you're clearly trying not to acknowledge I mean so it's a so he gets so bad okay (laughs) (laughs) okay really He's so, he gets defensive of like and upset about the mean comments on social media about um psyche right mm-hmm. and watching him deal with having feelings so we, we a lot of times when men who don't like having feelings start having feelings they lash out right yeah. and they're like i don't have feelings you're dumb i hate you mm-hmm. um but he doesn't he just pushes them down and yeah. is like no it's not that i like her i just want to have sex with her that's what this is like yep. This isn't anything meaningful. But then as the book goes on, he's like, oh, this is so amazing. We're like both brushing our teeth. And it's like this really profound moment for him. He's like Mm -hmm. such, oh gosh. Yeah. And then he's like, oh gosh, I want to have kids. I know. And that was- What a novel feeling. (laughs) I know. Oh, and when he goes to like Psyche's home, right? With uh, Demeter. And they've got all of those pictures. And he's just like, they look like a family. He just wants to be, whoa, uh, I know he's just fascinated by the pictures on her wall. And she's mm-hmm. like, yes, yes, this is my family. These are all nice pictures. And he's like, yeah, I've literally never had anyone love me before. <laughs> like, wow, I'm so sorry. I know. I will love you. Let, right. let me take care of you. Let me fix you. Come here. Let, I will. I will give you the hugs and the love and the affection. Mm-hmm. my baby my sweet my sweet baby arrows let me care for you I mean it's just oh he's, he's precious I know precious. and I love that we had so many chapters from his point of view too it alternated oh my I gosh think, right? it was so it. great yes and it was um this is I feel like if you're gonna do a dual point of view this is my favorite way for people to do it Mm -hmm. So I, it seems like with a lot of books that we've read recently, that's become kind of a popular thing where you have the males and females point of view, but a lot of times it's like the majority female point of view, and then we'll get like a a point of view, random chapter from the male's point of view, where he's just talking about how nipply her nipples are and how much he wants to have sex with her and all of that. And like, okay, that's fine. But 
I love it when authors do chapters from the male's point of view like this, where it's like, oh, we have some emotional depth and we're exploring how this male character actually feels or is trying not to feel. And he's doing more than just staring at her tits. He like actually cares about her. How lovely, how wonderful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I just adored him. He tried so hard to make himself into the bad guy because that's who his mom had always told him that he was. Mm -hmm. Right. He believes that because she has spoken that into him and he's actually just this really sweet, caring guy that wants to be loved. And uh, I just adore him. I mean, he obviously we're looking at like the damaged broody male. And I know that you love the male characters that you can fix. Um, but he is very thoughtful for mm -hmm. of um of psyche and he really commits to trying to make their situation work he basically planned their entire wedding i mean yes and what he, a guy and like we matched the swatch he the dress find me another murderer <laughs> <That's> <laughs> terrible <laughs> Find me another guy that knows about swatch matching. <laughs> Where are they? They don't exist. It's like uh, me, girls. The limited does not exist. He matched the swatch to her flowers, to his clothes. He created a theme for all of the guests. He arranged for flowers. He rented the room. He got a runner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He arranged to get rings. He arranged to get her a wedding dress. He basically planned this whole wedding. Yeah, he did. Ugh, it was so cute. It was precious. I love when he calls her his chaos monster. Oh, yeah. How sweet that was, was that? Mm -hmm. he, she, he sees her room and he's like, this is filthy. You're a <laughs> chaos monster. And he moves her into his house and he gives her a room and it's like, you can leave all your crap in here and be as chaotic as you want, but it's got to stay here. <laughs> well, I like, and then later on, he's like, I don't like that her stuff is separated from mine. I know. He doesn't like getting undressed in his closet without her. Mm. How cute are they? So cute. So he might think he's a big, bad monster but he's actually just a cuddly little teddy bear with curly hair. Yeah. So I really liked Psyche in this book too. Mm -hmm. um, she is very clever and I appreciate that in her care, like the way that she thinks about things and that she schemes and how similar she is to her mother in that that respect I really liked that about her character um she is evidence though that uh being too nice to people will get you killed yep you know they say no good deed goes unpunished and uh case in point here uh, psyche sees this guy bleeding and is like all right here's my moment <laughs> Let's go in this bathroom and I'll take care of you when she couldn't just mind it her own business, mm -hmm. but she didn't. And Eros even says like, even the people who would be like my friends would have ignored me. Yes. I just ignored this. And just, yes. And it. I love how, I mean, he's even like trying to scare her away, which is smart because he's smart. She's asking all of, like, if you hold on, let's just logic this out. If you ran into a bleeding guy in the hallway and was like, who's, and you, first of all, I would not ask whose blood is this on your shirt. That's inviting trouble. But you ask, and he's like, it's the what blood of the last pretty girl that talked to me or something. Mm -hmm. um, that's a red flag, sir. But I love what she focuses on though, is that must be a joke, like about calling her pretty. Yeah. It's like, that's not. That's, that's not, not that's not the important part here. That's not you you missed you missed the important part. Mm -hmm. 
which was that he's just killed somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, let's keep helping him. Sure. Let's, let's go to a bathroom alone with the murderer. Okay. Let's do that. Um, yeah, it just, it's just not a good idea. Psyche, what are you doing? I don't, I, I don't know. Um, and then, so, you know, Aphrodite's like, all right, you got to kill her, bring me your heart. And so he, you know, makes the plan. They meet at this bar and he's in, in here rationalizing, like, I'm just going to give her a sedative and then kill her. Like, it's the least that she deserves. It's like a painless death. I mean, I think, I think the least that she deserves is not to be killed by you. Yeah. If, if you want to get scientific, <laughs> the least is not <laughs> murdering her, <laughs> but okay. You, you, you do whatever it takes for you to rationalize this situation, I guess. Mm-hmm. She's so smart though. Like she pivots yeah. really quickly and she, so like she starts talking about how she wants to have kids or something, you know, like that sort of stuff, like humanizing herself. Yeah. Um, and then she also tells him that he deserves better. And he's just like, this isn't going to work. It's not going to work on me. Yeah. Don't tell me what I deserve. I'm a monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a bad guy. <laughs> you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. I'm a bad, bad man. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's why she doesn't believe in. Like he's pretty and he's got the curls. They talk about his curls a lot in this story. Maybe it's just like between the pretty face and the curly hair. She's just like, oh, he can't be that bad. Mm-hmm. pretty that- people never kill anybody you know isn't that what they said about ted bundy that's why yeah. all the girls trusted him because he thought they thought he was attractive yeah yeah like you were saying psyche was just really clever in the way that she pivoted in that situation and was like yeah i mean you can kill me but my mom is gonna lose it if you do that and this is not and i love how he's like you know I see what you're saying and you're totally right. Except that my mom is absolutely unhinged and rational arguments are, have no place in this conversation. She Mm -hmm. just wants you dead. So I'm going to do it, I guess. Oh, and it's so wild. (laughs) It's just so sad because he's just, He's doing it because, you know, he feels, he describes later on about like the feeling that he gets when she's basically nice to him, which is after she, you know, he does her bidding and all the attention that she gives him and praise and it's it's such a toxic relationship. It is. So uh, this is an abusive relationship. The relationship that he has with his mother is an abusive relationship. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it almost sounds a little bit like she love bombs him when he does what she wants. I mean, psyche or not psyche, uh, Aphrodite to me, I feel like has to at least meet some of the criteria for a narcissist. Mm-hmm. I think she does. I, there seems to be like a lack of empathy. Um, she is arrogant and certainly needs lots of validation from other people. Um, She goes along with the situation until it doesn't work for her. And then it's a problem. It's a problem. I forget what the rest, I looked up the, like what they use to describe what a narcissist is. And now I can't um, remember what they are, but she certainly is very manipulative of arrows. And it even talks about, so he talks about later on how um, when he was younger, especially I mean, she's been grooming him in this direction of uh, violence since he was a kid, but how when he didn't do what she would want, um, he, she would she would shut him out, not talk to him, not respond to him um, until he could do whatever it was to make her happy. Like, 
this is not, this is not a healthy relationship. She's emotionally manipulating him. Um, oh, and it, it hurts me for him. Like it, I just feel, I just feel so bad for him. Yeah. And it makes it all the sweeter when he gets psyche to love, like, you know, when it's like he falls in love with him. And when she says it for the first time, he's like, say it again. Even though she mentions that she says it and it's like at a really manipulative time, like for her to say it, like even though yeah. she means it, but it's because he's about to go off and try to kill his mother. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's just so sweet. Say it again. Oh. Yes. Well, and he also talks about realizing that his mother doesn't actually love him too. Yes, he does. Yeah. He talks about having that realization that there's no real love there. Yeah. And that's really hard. And so I, I, obviously the way that Psyche and Eros come together is atypical for the development of a relationship, but mm-hmm. I love for him, like for the future, even though that's not something that we're going to see that this character is going to be in a relationship with someone who does genuinely love and care about him and will be part of a family that demonstrates love and care for each other. We have uh, some representation in the story. We had some representation in the, the first book in the series too, Me Young Gods. We have a female character that's plus sized. Uh, a lot of times you don't see that or you don't see it very often. And so that in itself is great. And I love how she highlights the difficulty in finding clothes that fit well and are flattering for plus sized women. Um, I don't think I've ever read that specifically in a story. And so I love that we have that as a, a, a point of conversation in this book. We also have people of color and we have non-heterosexual relationships. Both of our main characters are bisexual. Um, there's just a lot of uh, representation present in this story. I like, so she mentions many times that it's taken her a long time to love her body, right? Mm-hmm. And I just, it highlights so much. So his penthouse is apparently like, instead of walls, it's mirrors, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. And so they have sex in front of the mirrors a lot. And I just think it's, I don't know, kind of highlights that too, that she's able to do that, you know? Because mm-hmm. she also is one of the reasons he's mad about her social media stuff, like the comments, is because it's about her weight and size and it's like I guess good to see her confident and comfortable Mm -hmm. enough to have sex in front of all of these mirrors Mm -hmm. yes and he talks about how much he loves her body too not that obviously you should be dependent on other people to validate your experience within your own body but it is nice to have validation from other people sometimes but Um, he, he talks about how much he loves her body. And this is something that stood out to me. Like he talks about how large her breasts are and how they overflow from his palms. And I feel like you see this all the time where it's like her breasts are large enough to fill her, his palm. Like it was that size. It's always very specific to that. Like it's a palm sized breast. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What is this? Okay. So now we have them overflowing, which I, I like to see. I don't know that I've seen that written before either. Mm-hmm. So I would hope this is something that we've talked about before in books in general, but a lot of times in fantasy, there is the female characters are often described as being like one specific way. And so it's nice to see authors starting to differentiate from that some. Yes. I feel like Katie Robert has a lot of, uh, in her other books, I feel like she features quite a bit of different um, body sizes and relationship types as well. Of course, really the only other books that I've read by her are just 100% smut. Um, You mentioned the mirrors in Eros's penthouse. Uh, which I, I think is an issue. So, so when Psyche shows up in his house, it's like the first thing that she notices 
is that he has just mirrors literally taking up entire walls. There's just a ton of them. And she's like, Eros, this is ridiculous. Why do you have so many mirrors in your house? And he's like, oh, I didn't notice there were yeah. this many mirrors in my house. Like I didn't decorate this place. I paid someone. They decorated my mom's house. <laughs> when put in that context, it surprises me not at all that the people who were his employed by his mom filled his house with mirrors. I feel like that is exactly what you would expect to see in her house. And mm -hmm. it just kind of makes sense. Yes. Well, it was used very effectively when he stands up like in between three mirrors and then he like, he's like points at it or like he's thinking in his head, like, I'm a monster. I'm, what were the other ones? You know the scene I'm talking about? Yes, I know the scene that you're talking about. I don't remember what it, but psyche in that situation it's like I see someone who's ambitious and who knows how to love other people mm -hmm. and blah 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 and then they have sex in front of those mirrors later and that's really great so I mean it's not all bad I'm just saying if I walked into a house and there was a mirror on every wall I'd be like what's wrong with you <laughs> I'd be like I'm just gonna I forgot something in my car <laughs> is there something behind these mirrors like Right? Is this so a fun say, house? Like, yeah. is this supposed to disorient me so I can't find my way out? Like, yeah. Yeah. Get some artwork. Mm -hmm. But whatever. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, those mirrors are ridiculous. But I feel like it says a lot about Aphrodite that she's the one that decorated, that hired the people that decorated his house and filled his house and, you know, it kind of makes me wonder, like, does Eros have an actual job? Does he get paid to kill people for Aphrodite? How do you file that on your taxes? Because in the end, she gets, uh, what is it, exiled, right? So does he not have a job now? Well, it's it was said that he had a trust fund. Was that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. She has right. one too. Uh, Seki has one too, but she doesn't get access yeah. until she's 25. Right. But 28. She has, like she gets pro like she has deals set up on her social media account with like liquor wine companies and she gets paid for ads and things like that. Right. Like Seki has income. Yeah. She makes money. I guess this is technically a fantasy novel. There's, there's like a little bit of magic in here, I guess. And we have the Greek references. And so I guess that makes it fantasy. It's not real strong. Like I, there's not, I don't know. The fantasy element is not super strong here, but the heart, like it does do a lot of hearkening back to Greek myth. I think it's interesting the way that Demeter is portrayed in this story and in Neon Gods. Yes. It's very different from how we've seen her represented in other stories. So like in A Touch of Darkness, the series by Scarlett St. Clair, for example, we see a Demeter who is very overbear overbearing, very controlling, like emotionally abusive almost. Um, and then at the end, I mean, very unstable and for good reason. Like we, mm -hmm. we learned why she is the way that she is. Um, and I feel like a lot of times when we see Demeter, that is how she is represented is very over, overbearing, very controlling, very unhealthy relationship. And that's different from this Demeter. So this Demeter is still pretty overbearing, <laughs> but she genuinely seems to care about her children. She's not intent. She's Hmm. What is it that Psyche says about her? She would rather, rather ask for forgiveness later than ask for permission first. So she definitely does a whole lot of scheming and she's doing it because she is very ambitious and she's trying to further her own gains while at the same time setting her kids up um, for success in the future, right? So she's doing a whole lot of maneuvering on her own behalf and, um, maybe to benefit her children. Although I think that her kids would probably argue with 
how beneficial that is for them because she keeps trying to set them up with Zeus. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a Demeter that really cares about her kids and that wouldn't actually do things to put them in harm's way. And I feel like that is different from the Demeter that we've seen in other stories. Yes, I agree. Um, you know, Psyche even mentions at, you know, if her mom wouldn't have as important as like networking is to her mom, that if she showed up like bleeding and limping late to a party, she would not be angry at her, you know? Right. Like, and you can see in the pictures and in just her actions and everything that like Demeter loves her kids. Yeah. And she does want, I, like she wants power and she's done some sketchy things, but ultimately she wants what's best for them. And if that comes with power, then, or if power comes with that, then great. Um, I liked when she, she went to the wedding, Eros and yes. uh, Psyche's wedding. And she was like, I'll be damned if one of my girls doesn't get walked out. Like if I don't walk one of my girls down the aisle or something like that. And she also says to Psyche that, um, out of all of the daughters, she is most like her. Mm-hmm. Um, so she trusts her. Um, yes. And and she goes, that's my girl. It's cute. Yeah, I know. Yeah, she says that when uh, she's like getting ready to walk her down the aisle or something, she says like, Psyche, if I had known about this, we could have negotiated for better terms. Mm-hmm. Like, And Psyche <laughs> says, well, well, we'll just save that for my next marriage. That's mm-hmm. their joke because this Demeter's been married four times. Yeah. She says, that's my girl. Um, yeah. Even though she, Psyche's motivations are unclear to Demeter, um, she trusts her judgment and allows her to enter into a marriage under questionable circumstances with someone who has a reputation as a murderer um, because she, she believes in her. Mm-hmm. And so... Yes, she is ambitious. And yes, the decisions that she makes are maybe a little sketchy sometimes, but we definitely still get the vibe that she cares for her child. And that's just, that's real different from the Demeter that we see a lot of times in other stories. Um, the other character that is represented a little bit differently in this book is Aphrodite so I feel like a lot of times when Aphrodite is present in the Greek retellings that we have seen she's either not very strongly represented so we don't get a whole bunch of information about her she's still given the like petty power hungry vibe which we certainly get in this one um And I think this is the first time that we've seen an Aphrodite that's this desperate maybe or power hungry. Uh, I did not like this Aphrodite. This is the first time I've read a Demeter that I have liked. I did not like this Aphrodite. Um, The only time, yeah, the only time I've had an interest in an Aphrodite character was in Laura Olympus. And that Aphrodite is still conniving, um, but she cares about her children. She protects Eros. She protects our other kids. And what's interesting about that one is that she's in an open relationship with Ares. So very, the, this representation of Aphrodite, I think is really different from the ones that I have seen in other books too. Yeah. So the ones that, I mean, it's probably really the same books. Um, she's very jealous a lot of times. Um in the books very as like like you said manipulative all of that but I don't think we've yeah we haven't seen her be just down like downright like murderous yeah this absolutely way. like unhinged and beyond reason <laughs> yeah that's how I would describe this one because the, the only time I like so Aphrodite was present in the Aries trials by Eliza Rain. And that one was definitely jealous and petty. And she, I mean, she was trying to do things to get the female main character killed in that one. But it was more of like, a, this Aries is mine and I don't want anyone else to play with my toys, even though I don't want my toys either. Um, this Aphrodite 
is just like pissed off that anyone had the audacity to be seen in the presence of her son. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Yeah. We have some interesting side characters in this as well. Um, Psyche's sisters. I love Callisto. I knew you would. (laughs) She's fantastic. Um, Just likes to cause chaos and destruction, basically, wherever she goes, um, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Stabs a guy with a fork for insulting her sister. Yeah. Like, this is the energy that we want to bring to the table. Yes. She doesn't care about the rules. Like uh persephone really tried to hide and just kind of fly under the radar and uh psyche like tries to finesse the rules i feel like and just kind of go along with things in olympus and callisto is like i'm gonna choose violence every day (laughs) she really woke up and chose violence yes like literally is choosing violence yeah yeah um, I can't wait to see what happens with this character. I really hope. So the next book is going to be Helen, Achilles, and Patroclus. I really hope at some point she does a story for Zeus and Callisto, though, because at the end of the book, to kind of smooth the situation over, Callisto ends up engaged to Zeus. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Callisto is the type of person who would set the bed on fire with Zeus still in it. Like she, (laughs) you know, as just that type of personality, um, is not one to be cowed by anyone, especially a man. So I really want to see what's going to happen in their relationship. Mm -hmm. Me too. And then we have like the, like, literal embodiment of chaos Eris yeah yeah and she's going to be the new Aphrodite and that is going to be super interesting Mm -hmm. yes and her sister Helen Mm -hmm. also very interesting um she uh so she has a party uh that Eris Eros and Psyche go to and like her energy just seems, she seems super fun, but also like she would cut you in half if you pissed her off. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I love when she, um, kicks, um, Orpheus out. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I loved that. Yeah. Um, just a whole, a whole lot of attitude. So mm-hmm. I really look forward to seeing her interactions in the next story. Um, we also have Eurydice. First of all, when so when Psyche calls her sisters because they're freaking out because you know she has announced her relationship with Eros and Callisto and Eurydice are like, yeah, I can't support this. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was rude. First of all, because Persephone and Psyche have really been doing the work to keep Callisto and Eurydice from having to do all of the Olympus crap that their mom, I mean, they've worked really hard to protect them. And I feel like that's just a crappy way to show your support for your sister. Who's done all of this, put in all of this effort to basically try to keep you comfortable. So there was spice in this book there was a lot of spice in this book there was see a lot of people say it's spicier than neon gods and i i i think and you say you agree and i think you're right in that like there's technically more of it but like it was like neon gods was spicier like in sense of like the type of sex does that make sense Yes. So the volume of spice in this book is larger. Yes. There is more actual sex in this book than there is in Neon Gods. Mm -hmm. It's just not as kinky. So in Neon Gods, we had voyeurism, we had exhibitionism, we had some 
I think it's called Kinbaku when people are tied up and having sex. Shibari, I think, is just the artistic tying up of people. Um, there's more. There's more kink in neon gods, but the overall volume of sex is lower. Whereas in this book, we have like six page to ten page long sex scenes. Mm -hmm. Which is fantastic because here's what happens a lot of time. Like they'll start the seduction, like two pages later, we have penetration and then the next page it's over. Right. I love long sex scenes. I love long sex scenes. This author is so good at writing sex scenes. I mean, that's basically, that's basically all (laughs) that like your dad will do (laughs) is. It's just Mm -hmm. a series of sex scenes strung together. Then it's fantastic. Um, So she, she's really good at doing like the marathon sex scenes. And I really appreciate that. I think, I mean, you're right though. Like the spice is just different. And I wouldn't say that maybe like the volume is greater in this story, but the type of spice is different from neon gods. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's not a competition. No, (laughs) it's not. It's not a competition. Now in this book, I adore the enthusiasm that Eris has for oral sex. It is Mm -hmm. outstanding. And there's this one scene that is just like so spicy. So it's as they've gotten back to his apartment and they're waiting for the jeweler to show up and Psyche has struggled with being touched by him and not flinching up to this point. And so to make it believable, she's like, all right, we got to do it. And so he says, okay, let's go. And she takes off her clothes and he's, you know, getting ready. And she, he sets a timer. And so this is what happens. They have this exchange. She says, what are you doing? And he says, setting a timer. And she says, why? And he says, because because I'm about to get distracted eating you out and I don't want to make the jeweler wait. (laughs) And she says, Eros, the jeweler won't be here for 40 minutes. And he says, I know it's not nearly enough time. Like, sir. I appreciate the enthusiasm just so much. Mm -hmm. It's outstanding. Yeah. And she mentions um, about how, so in his, like, so from his point of view, he's turned on by giving her oral, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He mentions like he has to stop his hips from like thrusting into the bed or whatever. And then from her point of view, she says at some point she was like, um, other men she had been with had just seen it as something to do and get out of the way. And she'd never really experienced it for the other person having pleasure too. And that it created a whole different type of pleasure. Mm -hmm. I liked that description because yes, yeah. Yeah. So it's great. This author highlights the, the pleasure that you can experience with another person that doesn't have to turn into penis being in vagina. And that's mm-hmm. where it ends up going a lot of times. It's like, this is, I mean, oral sex ends up being like the detour on the side of the road before you get to the main, uh, main event, which is P and V. And it doesn't have to turn into that. And in this scene, it doesn't turn into, um, it doesn't turn into psyche pleasuring arrows at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is not, I mean, it, it I feel like sometimes it become it becomes transactional almost, right? Yes. You did this for me, so I'll do this for you. Right. What I also really like about this, and I, I know that um, I have read this before. I just get like so excited when there is penis and vagina penetration 
and it's not like a grass aggressive like jackhammer like thrusting into the vagina initially so mm -hmm. like on page 196 apparently i was so enthusiastic about this that i noted the page <laughs> um they talk about how he has to slowly work his penis into her vagina it just makes me so happy because a lot of times what you read is he thrust his penis into her vagina and i'm like clinching because oh my gosh you can't approach vaginas this way <laughs> no i like i've seen it in this book and then I've, we've seen it in other books too where it, like they're aroused by just watching him like slowly go in or like mm -hmm. he's aroused by that too and yeah instead of just just jam it in there yeah yeah enjoy the view <laughs> yes take your time get it ready yep yeah they also spend quite a bit of time on pre-penetration activ activities before they jump straight into penis and vagina and i really like that too mm -hmm. all the foreplay yes aphrodite decides that psyche needs to die despite being married to her child and uh, after a failed hit, Psyche and Eros decide to take things into their own hands. And so Psyche's, no, Eros is like, all right, I'm just going to go kill my mom. How hmm. terrible. How terrible for him to feel like he has to put himself in that position. And Psyche realizes, Link, you know, this is not, this is not something that he should have to do. Um, not because she cares about Aphrodite, but because she knows that he loves his mom and killing her is going to damage him. Mm -hmm. And so she's just, so we've talked about, we talked about how clever she is. Like she's just so smart in the situation. She lures Aphrodite to this garden saying that, you know, this isn't what she signed up for. She doesn't want to die. She wants to get out of the situation. And Aphrodite's like, mm, okay, I'll meet you and we'll take care of this situation. And she meets her in the, the gardens. And Eros, of course, has been contacted by Helen at this point, who is freaking out because obviously something bad is going to happen. And he strolls up and Aphrodite is pointing a gun at psyche and psyche is cowering and she's just so smart in this moment so she lures aphrodite in this situ into this situation and then uses social media to capture her confession her intention to kill psyche to harm her and to harm her mother i mean it's just brilliant yes i loved that yeah that was, I'm, I'm just really, I appreciated that moment. And she's acting all scared and stuff to get Aphrodite to confess all this information. And then when Aphrodite goes to like almost actually shoot her, um, Psyche disables her, gets her weapon out of the way. Eros yes. comes in and yeah, I mean, it's just fantastic. Well, I love how Eros is like, he realizes, oh no, he can't get to her on in time, mm -hmm. but he wasn't counting on Psyche because Psyche just beat him to it, you know, yeah. manages to disarm her and take her down. That's right. She don't need no man. Mm -mm. She can do it herself because sisters are doing it for themselves. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. <laughs> um, and then, so she, she has this parting shot to Aphrodite. She says, sharks aren't the only predators in the ocean. And yeah. I instantly was thinking like Megalodon, <laughs> which is still a shark, <laughs> but it's a bigger shark and it's a dinosaur. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was great. Well, and then after that, of course, they have their conversation with Zeus. And what, so what did you think about Zeus? So it had me wondering if like just the title of Zeus turns somebody into an asshole. Yeah. You know, and I get it. This, you know, he was thrust into this role earlier than he was supposed to be. And now he's like navigating all of these, all of this upheaval and everything that he has to deal with. But I just, he was a jerk. 
I mean, I do also get the whole, like, he can't bring charges against Aphrodite. Like, so when he first goes, because he's like, no proof, right? And they go, and he's like, I can't do anything. I don't have any proof. And Eros and Psyche are disappointed. I was kind of like, I mean, you don't have any proof. That's true. So I can understand him in that sense. Yeah. With that. But he, you know. And also, I'm sorry, like, there was already a negotiation happening with the yeah. their wedding. Like, why didn't Demeter, that, that at one point, I was like, Demeter, tell her. You should have yes. told her. Yeah. Um, that was, that, that's not maybe the best strategy. But like Psyche says, her mom likes to ask for forgiveness later instead of asking for permission first what I did think was funny was that Psyche tells Persephone like mom's been scheming to get us married to Zeus and Persephone's like again she was trying to do to Persephone and then Psyche and she's been foiled again and so it falls to Callisto this time like you should probably talk to your children about the people you're trying to get them married to. Mm-hmm. Nathan Psyche is like, I mean, yeah, if this situation hadn't come up first, I probably would have agreed to it because I would do anything to keep my sisters from being put into this situation, which is really self-sacrificing of her. Like she probably needs to talk to a therapist about that. Yes. So what are your thoughts about Zeus? Well, I thought he was a dick. And I get it that it's probably because of his title, but I still didn't like him. Um, And then at the end, he exiles Aphrodite and he's like, I could bring charges against Eros too. I'm thinking like, what, what charges can you bring against him? I was confused, but I won't because of this deal that I made because you're technically my family now. Okay. I feel like you're reaching, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure what charges, like, I know at the beginning, like, the first time they asked the charges, okay, because it would have had to be Eros, like, confessing to doing, like, uh, crimes for Aphrodite. To doing the crimes. Yes, so he would have had to bring charges against Eros as well, but the second time around, after he exiles Aphrodite, I'm not sure what those other charges would be yeah i don't know yeah i don't either so i didn't like him (laughs) also he threatens um to kill eros after not persephone after psyche is attacked by aphrodite's you know assassin at Helen's apartment complex, but he won't do anything to help them. Ah, Yeah, I just didn't like him. Like, I get it that your hands are tied, but maybe you could be less of a dick. He can't, he's Zeus. We have an epilogue Mm -hmm. and it's just precious. It is so, so sweet. It is. Mm-hmm. so they turn up for oh you go ahead talk about it okay so they go to sunday dinner at demeter's right and eros is all nervous about it because he wants to make a good impression and he's kind of somewhat scared of demeter too because it's his you know wife's mom and all so they go and she's like hold on i want to show you something and so they're walking up the stairs like right they're walking up the stairs and she's showing him like all these pictures and they get to the end and there's one with Persephone and Hades. And then there's their wedding picture mm. of the two of them. And she's like, see your family, like you're on the wall now. Right. Yeah. And then he goes downstairs and Hades is there. And he's like, this is, I didn't expect to see Hades just like casually chilling, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but he goes and basically joins Hades in a corner while the women are making cook or cooking dinner and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how like weird it is for it to be a family, you know, and to watch it. Oh, it's so sweet. It Both is. of them. Because you've got two men there who like aren't used to being loved. So they're in the corner watching like all this love happen. Oh. 
It's so sweet. It's precious. It is. It's so precious. Ugh. Yeah. I just love it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, just these poor damaged men mm-hmm. ending up in healthy relationships. Yes. So I guess that wraps it up. Yeah, I think so. Um, then moving on to our quotes. Sure, yeah. Okay. So I picked one. You kind of referenced it earlier, um, but this is what Eros so- is actually uh-huh what i referenced happened on like page 19 and what you're referencing happened on like page 219 <laughs> and i know because i looked it up because i was thinking is this the same thing <laughs> it's not oh okay well <laughs> um eros is this is in his internal monologue he thinks i didn't kill her but that's the literal bare minimum a person should do and I love that because it's so true. And we talk about to, um, you know, in other, when we talked about um, in other episodes, men who just like, they do the bare minimum of things, mm-hmm. right? And praise them for it. Mm-hmm. And here he is like recognizing that he did the bare minimum. I chose a quote that Psyche says to um, Eros. So she says, this is after they have made their arrangements to have a uh, spontaneous marriage and he's brought her back to his apartment and she says to him I don't know what you see when you look at me that makes you assume I'd happily have sex with a man who was set to murder me an hour ago but I have higher standards than that (laughs) I just love this for Psyche you know she really does she like acknowledges her attraction to him, but she really tries to hold out because she doesn't want to develop an emotional connection with him. And I like that in this scene. And even before this, when they're at dinner or not at dinner at the bar and he's like made it known that he's planning to murder her, he touches her hand to try to be comforting to her. And she's like, um, I'm going to need you to remove your hand. I don't want comfort from someone who was planning to kill me. She's just very, Oh, I don't even know what the word was, would be that I would use to describe her. She is very smart and self-sufficient, maybe like she, she, I feel like she knows herself really well. Mm -hmm. And I like that in her. She's very strong and self-aware. That one was mine. It's a good one. All righty. Anything else we want to say about this book? Well, I don't think so. Okay. Well, then in that case, thank you for listening to this episode. Join us next week. We'll be discussing uh, The Sharpest Edge by Alessa Thorne. That mm-hmm. is um, the second book in the series. So we talked about the the first book a few months ago it's called darkest night uh, sharpest edge follows um daddy silas in the second book in in the series and now i can't remember what the series is called um but uh, that's on deck for next week so join us next week and thanks thank you for listening to literary quest we hope you enjoyed our episode if you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.